This is episode 117 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gilner. Women are being called to lead with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each week, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Hello, my extraordinary women friends. A few weeks ago, I was listening to Allie Brown's Glambition Radio, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to when I'm driving around, and I heard an interview with Beth Comstock, the former vice chair of business innovation at GE. I loved the interview, and what was really cool for me was I had followed Beth's inspiration for many years, dating back to my corporate days over a decade ago. So I'd been watching Beth and following Beth for a really long time. And it was a great interview. And at the end of the interview, Beth mentioned when Allie asked her what's next, Beth said, I'm still discovering that. And I smiled at that and I shook my head yes, because I personally know how important it is to take time to slow down and discover our journey when we make big life changes. After all, Beth had been at GE for nearly three decades. So my journey really did my big shift 10 years ago and I had time and I had nature and I had self-discovery all to point me to my next chapter of, of launching my business. When I wrote my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, I shared my personal story and I laid out a roadmap to discover that next chapter. And I think it's a really magical process that is that roadmap. And it's, it's, I thought it might be useful to Beth. So I reached out to her and I offered to send her a copy of my book, Fire Dancer. And then I added in a P.S., How would you like to be on my Extraordinary Women radio show? Well, Beth generously offered to buy my book online herself. After all, she wanted to support a fellow author, she said to me. And then she said yes to an interview. And I was thrilled and I was honored. Ah, the power of the ask. Just last week when I interviewed the fabulous Sark, the author of The Succulent Wild Woman, she closed out our interview with the final pearl of wisdom. Do the ask. Such a perfect example of this. This was an easy ask that I made with big potential. And it resulted in a yes. And so I get to bring Beth Comstock to you today. Beth's mission is to understand what's next, to navigate change and help others do the same. By cultivating a habit of seeking out new ideas, people, and places, she built a career path from storyteller to chief marketer to corporate vice chair. Beth led efforts to accelerate new growth, develop digital and clean energy futures, seed new businesses, and enhance brand value. As president of integrated media at NBC Universal, Beth oversaw TV ad revenue and new digital efforts, including the early development of Hulu.com. Beth is a director at Nike, a trustee at the National Geographic Society, and former board president of the Cooper Hewitt Smithsonian National Design Museum. She graduated from the College of William and Mary with a degree in biology. Her first book, Imagine It Forward, about working and living on the front lines of change, was released in September 2018. Her stories are fabulous and vulnerable. Today, we talk about her journey through GE, about leading change, about stepping into our courage and granting ourselves permission to show up in bigger, bolder ways, and so much more. 
Let's meet Beth Comstock. Well, welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio, Beth. Thanks, Kimmy. I'm excited to be talking to you. Well, I'm excited to be talking to you. As a former VP of marketing in my former life, I have actually really followed your career for a long time. You've really been an inspiration to me for so many years, and I'm just really excited to hear about this next chapter of your life and what's unfolding for you. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I, uh, I, uh, have a, I love uh, the path of a marketer. So um, you and I have a very similar journeys thus far. Yeah, we, we have. In fact, I was, I was, as I was reading your book, you, had, you were a single mom pretty early on in your life, and I was as well. And that was one of the things that jumped out at me is, you know, a similarity that we had. And, you know, there's that whole space of, of what we do as single moms to, you know, just roll our sleeves up and we're going to provide for our kids. Um, so that was something that really resonated with me in your story. Yeah, it was, I, I, I start my, business, my book with it and it's probably one of the few business books that starts with a personal divorce and, uh, and, you know, kind of talking about personal things like picking a path as a single mother. Um, but I feel like it was a defining moment for me. I mean, it brought out things in me. Uh, I had no choice but to make it work, whatever it was. Yeah. There was no roadmap or, no one <laughs> had a, a, you know, step one, step two process chart. I just had to figure it out. And it became, and I, I'm sure you appreciate this. It becomes even more daunting when you figure not, you're not just figuring it out for yourself. You've got a, in my case, I had a young daughter. And so, um, I, I, that was a very important moment for me for so many reasons, but it's one of those moments I return to when I'm in the middle of change to say, like, you've been here before, you know, you can do this. Yes. Uh, and I was very, I was in my twenties when it happened. So it was young. I was young to ex- have experienced that. Yeah, I was in my twenties as well. And I know it definitely forever shaped me and it made me, you know, really, stronger and it made me know that like you said you can get through just anything so um, I really appreciate that about about your journey and now I'm really excited to hear about the story of you leaving GE and just really you know as what's this experience been like now that you've been out what's shifted for you internally well a lot I had spent pretty much my uh, the the bulk of my career at one company now GE has a lot of different businesses so it's a one that way and most of my the big chunk of my career was spent at NBC so out of media but having been in kind of one place for a while um, you know it, it was it was it was a grounding for me and then um, in the, at the end of 2017 um, there was a big leadership change in GE and the new CEOs like hey I don't, don't know what we're gonna do with you I think you need to go home and um, I thought I'd be leaving at some point soon I'd already started working on my book but it's quite different when when, when it you, actually happens and you, you realize you don't have control of the situation and here right. I call my change maker and you know, I, I, I'm, I like, like many people, I think you uh, only like change when you feel like you're in control of it. And for most of us, that's not usual. Change usually happens to us. So, so I had to get, I had to spend some time just getting used to that. Feeling. What was that very first day at, like the next day? I mean, the next day when you woke up and you said, oh gosh, I've, <laughs> I'm no longer there. Yeah. Well, I took, I t- took a few months to unwind and get out of the company, you know, and sort of mm-hmm. make sure was handed off but 
I, that, that morning, I, you know, I think my first habit was to just started to start the day like I normally do. Right. I, I had a hard, the hardest time giving up my 5 a.m. phone calls to the UK. <laughs> it was like I'd wake up and ready to go do those phone calls and it wasn't there to do. Yeah, it's exactly right. You, we have these uh, habits and um, this, this um, sort of rhythm and ritual of our day, I found. And I remember I'd been out of uh, GE about two months and um, I was in my home office and my husband walked by and he's like, what are you doing? Why do you have a to-do list on your desk? I was like, voluminous. You don't have much you have to do. And it just made me think like, why am I, here I am, you know, of course I was like, part of my to-do was to be more artistic, more creative. So it was a very beautiful to-do list, I will tell you. I had my markers out, I colored everything in. But nonetheless, part of what I've had to go through in the past year and a half is just um, if you will, kind of trading out rituals, trading out one thing for another. For example, um, in the process of working on my book, I started this process, uh, basically borrowed from Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, where I, I get up that book. and write morning papers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's been a good ritual for me to carry forth. So, you know, I get up in the morning and I just write and I just download my brain and it gives me a good sense of, of starting my day. And then I try to exercise. So for me, replacing one kind of routine with another has been helpful. Mm-hmm. That being said, I've also had to um, take my own advice and try to just leave unstructured time. Right. Time where I have no one telling me what to do about anything, including myself. And that's honestly, that was the hardest. Yes, yes. And so how does this feel to you right now? I mean, how does the this shift compare to where you, you know, the 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 old Beth at GE to Beth today with Imagine It Forward all, you know, with your focus there? How do you feel different? Yeah, well, in some ways I don't feel different at all. I'm still me, probably me that was 14, me that was 26, you know, me now that's 58. I um I, um, so some parts still feel very much the same, but I will say, um, one, the book ended up being an incredible amount of work that I uh, frankly was surprised how much work it is. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) It's really only been the past four months that I think I'm starting to go, okay, a new side of me is emerging. I needed to meet this person. And so, um, what is this new side of me? It's much more, um, let it go, let things happen as they will, not, not the structure we talked about earlier. Um, much more in pursuit of creativity. Uh, I love to read, so I'm reading a lot, but I think probably, the, I think what surprises my family and friends is that I'm much more patient than I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually used to have a t-shirt that reads, frickin' impatient, like, and that was... <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> And so I think I'm, I'm much more um, just open and letting things unfold, which surprises me. And what's putting sparks in your heart right now? Well, I love to read. Um, I'm, on, as I, I'm on this curiosity and creativity journey. Um, I, um, I've been working. Uh, my husband and I bought a rundown um, farm. And so being, being out in nature. just Oh, being, that's fun. I love nature. And so clearing trees and planting gardens and being in nature. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Where is your farm? Uh, it's in New York State. So ah, very good. So great to be able to reconnect and literally get my hands dirty and feel a different kind of connection. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's, there's something about being in nature and putting our hands in the dirt. Um, and it just, it, it really grounds us in a whole different way. It, I mean, to me, I, I, when I grew up, one of my favorite places on earth was I used to go to a camp in Virginia called nature camp. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I studied biology when I was in college. And so I think honestly, work kind of got me away from that. Um, my husband and I love to go hiking and, you know, we found we were drawn more and more, drawn more and more to that. But I do think if you're not careful, work takes over. Yes. So part of this time has been to rediscover those things that I knew I love, but had sort of put in the back at uh, the back burner. Yeah. You know, I grew up on a, a small farm in Colorado. And so that was always a core part of who I was. I always had horses and animals and all these, you know, different things around me. And I actually have always had horses in my life, even when I was in the corporate world. But when it was actually the horses that helped me foresee that I would, that I could start something new and move into a whole different pathway. How did that, how did the horses help you? um, It was, I started speaking with a woman who was a coach and she worked with, um, she was doing personal transformation work with people leveraging horses, bringing horses into the work and doing leadership development work with horses. And I was just, I was like, what you do, you can do that. And so I was so intrigued with it. And so I instantly went out within a month of hearing this story. I was out in Northern California becoming a certified equine guided coach. And so the horses really took me in a whole different direction I had always thought that I would go back to the corporate world and all of a sudden it was, and this was probably 11 years ago. And, um, um, and I still, to this day, I do equine guided retreats with my clients um, that I'm helping build their businesses and that sort of thing. So it's, it's the horses and nature really speak to my soul. And I think what I take from your story is what I've had to reconnect with is just you know, sort of let things unfold, be open to things um, and take inspiration from things that might surprise you. Yes. Uh, and so I love that. I love the story of the horses taking you to a whole, you know, sort of connecting what you're good at professionally with with the passion you have for the broader world out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about Imagine It Forward. How did the book come to you? Well, I, um, I guess I, um, my husband said I was always going to write a book. I don't remember being so definitive, but, um, I, I just started to appreciate in the course of my business, I worked with a lot of people, either colleagues or people who were customers or people I'd come to know, uh, we were all struggling to make art, make sense of change. Mm -hmm. Especially I would go every month to a a new manager training class at at GE at our learning center. And I got to teach a class every month. And I loved this space. One, the, the people challenged me. I challenged them. But I started to notice that uh, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, I love those ideas or, you know, we really should innovate more, but I, can, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And the pieces were always similar. I can't do that because my boss won't let me. I don't have enough budget. We don't have enough people. The ideas aren't right. Timing's wrong. And I realized that a lot of those excuses were true, but there was something deeper there. And what I realized was that people were afraid. They liked hearing from me the stories either of mine or my colleagues or others that we persevered through that. But at the end of the day, it just sort of struck me that people needed to kind of grant themselves permission and needed to be told it was okay to grant themselves permission. And so that was kind of the genesis of, well, how do I capture this and sort of share some of the stories through my career where I 
faced into fear and those moments of of just struggle with change and innovation, uh, and I didn't get it right. And how can I share some of that with people, especially mid-career, mid-part of the company, who don't often get those kind of insights? So that was really how it was how it was born. I, I wanted to use it as a helpful set of tools, hopefully some inspiration, and a bit of a provocation to people to say, yeah, you can do this. Absolutely. And, and why do you think it's so important to write this book now? Well, I, um, I, I'm a communicator, I'm a storyteller, so that was a medium for me. Um, I, I hope the book's somewhat timeless, um, because I, I, why now is just because I think we are all um, sort of trying to keep up with the pace of change. I, I start the book off with one of the lines I use is, you know, the world will never be slower than it is right now. Mm. We're all reeling from that, um, and and we've got we've to gotta learn how to adapt to new things. And yet what holds us back is the fear. And, um, and so for me, it was about just how, how did I, as an introverted, not a business or engineering kind of person in an engineering company, how did I kind of find my way to value discovery, to meet change early? And so I think for all of us, a little bit of our day, a little bit of our, our work has to be, in, in personal life has to be, I think, applied to discovering what's next and new. Yeah, yeah. And I think when I, as I've been reading your book, I've, it's, it's so inspiring to see them, the level of change that you led at GE. And it takes, you know, I, I love the fact that you're talking about that, you know, you were an introvert and that there's something that you did though that that caught people's attention that that helped you step forward with the ideas and and, and create follow followers right so what do you think attributed to that well i think it was um i, I am a shy person i'm also introverted which means you know you you have to sort of conserve your energy you're not i, I trust me no one's ever in my whole life called me the life of the party <laughs> <laughs> so I was not the natural one to step up and pitch an idea or say, hey, I got a, something crazy to tell you. That, that was not me. But I was very curious. And, um, and I, and especially well, at GE, I, at, at NBC and GE, and I was at NBC several times, I, um, I started to realize that a lot of people spent their time talking to one another inside the company. They were great for best practice sharing, but there weren't a lot of people who were looking outside the company, who were trying to understand trends and see where, uh, you know, kind of looking to meet people who, or ideas that were new and unusual. And because I was curious, that just seemed to be a natural place to go. And um, while everyone was looking inside, I started looking outside. And I, I think I became what I call this insider, this outsider inside, meaning, I started to just be outside and build a network and make connections and try to bring them back inside. And in that kind of role, you have to be open enough to see new things, but then you have to have a translation ability to translate it into language that your colleagues can understand. And often you have to bring them with you. So to me, that was really it. For example, I'd say one of my kind of most important projects was uh, taking this um, industrial energy company of GE and getting us into clean tech at a time when it was not popular. It was not something an uh, industrial company would do, but the future was calling us and we had to do something. And so 
Um, that, you know, that kind of ability to pick your head up, get out in the world, see where it's going, uh, became something I really grabbed hold of, and it made my, made my path, uh, it helped pave a path for me in my company. And it was really storytelling and vision painting that, that you know, you had to really paint that for the people who, who could, might not be seeing the same things that you were seeing. Exactly. And I think that because I grew up in my career, I wanted to be a journalist. I was not very good. So pretty quickly, I got a TV journalist. I got behind the scenes and uh, I, I got into PR and communications before I got into marketing. And so storytelling is just what I what I know. And so I started to realize that innovation and understanding what's next was about telling stories. Mm. Um, it was about uh, imagining forward a new future. And it's not enough just to tell people. They have to see it. So, you know, you go together and you see, we, we, for, for example, when Eco-Imagination, which was our clean initiative, clean, clean, clean tech initiative, we did dreaming sessions with our customers where we peered out 20 years into the future um, to, to a mat, 15 to 20 years in the future and started to put a story together together. Right? It was mm-hmm. us with our customers saying, right. what kinds of technologies? Can you imagine what happens when wind starts to scale? Energy from the sun, well, it's happening. When will it get to scale? So if you build those stories together, um, and it sounds kind of fluffy, and usually, you know this, Kimmy, as a marketer, oftentimes people think marketers' work is just at the end. It's just what you do when you launch the product. Right. Right. You start yeah. to how might we? What, what are the opportunities? And you start to build your story as you build your product, as you build your market. Yes, I so agree with that. I so agree with it. And one of the things you wrote in your book was every change maker is forced to learn to give herself permission to push outside expectation and limitations. And I was no exception, you wrote. What was one of your biggest stretches? And then how do you give yourself permission? Well, I'm going to give you a little one, which was big, and then a big one, which was big. But the okay. little ones are just getting my getting over my introversion because I did. Uh, look, there's a lot of benefits of being an introvert, but also I had to realize I was holding myself back. Mm-hmm. I wasn't pitching ideas. I wasn't meeting people at events. I'd go to a networking event and like, you know, get go to the chip bowl and then go home. <laughs> I can relate when I did that as well. So. And, and it's, you feel mad at yourself. And I just finally got to the point where I was like, I can't, I am holding myself back. Right. You're playing small, right? Exactly. It, exactly. And so I, um, I had to get over that in myself and I had to give myself permission. Okay, next time I'm going to go and I'm going to meet someone. So Cammie, I would say, hi, Cammie, you know, meet you. And then I'd go home. Um, but I just started to give myself these small challenges. And then the, those are big things. They say, if you're not an introvert, you don't know what I'm talking about. But it took all my nerve and energy to go and introduce myself or pitch <laughs> up or speak up in a meeting. Yes. Probably one of the, the biggest things for me. I mean, I, we talked about being a single mother and, and divorce, that, that personally. But I took the chief marketing officer role at GE I hadn't been a marketer. I came out of NBC, so I had media and advertising experience, but I didn't go to business school. I didn't have my MBA, and I took the CMO role um, not really knowing really what traditional marketing is or what a CMO could do. Right. Um, And about four months into my job, 
I went to school. I mean, I, I did everything. I called up everyone I knew. I had a really robust 100-day plan, not just for the job, but for myself. But about four months into the role, my boss at the time, Jeff Immel, who had promoted me to the job, called me in and he said, I don't know what's going on with you, but like, you've lost your confidence. I put you in this job for a reason and you're not really showing up. I need you to speak up. I, I put you in this job because you have ideas, yet you're not, I'm not hearing any from you. Right. And so I think it was, I was wavering. I was nervous. I was fearful. And um, he called me on it. And now I had to make sure that that wasn't going to hold me back. So that was probably one of the biggest stretches I can, I can point to. And how did you step into that fear once you knew it was there? Well, one, I, you know, I have this guy saying you've got to change. So yeah, I had right. <laughs> so that's a big push. That was a big push. And just sort of a psych myself up, I guess, kind of like you're an athlete for a big, a big game. Um, just one mental psyching up. Uh, and then just asking for help. I think that was really key. I mean, I, I called up chief marketing officers that I knew. Uh, for example, Jim Stingle, at, who at the time was at Procter & Gamble, was so incredibly grace, gracious. And I, he became my tutor. And I, like, took all the training materials that P&G used to train their marketers. And I went to every, you know, I, I read every marketing textbook. Uh, Phil Kotler of Northwestern, I, I eventually called him up and got to know him, and we did training with him so there were I just I went on a learning journey and again back to that curiosity that's how I got over my fear of not knowing my lack of confidence was just to be curious and be a learner right that's awesome and and you talk about actually writing permission slips so tell us about that yeah well to earlier what I was talking about this this kind of mindset shift that we all subscribe to that we're Maybe maybe the reason we, we look for excuses for why we can't do something, but really mm -hmm. we're afraid. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I started to realize when you you know I'd say to people like I can I think if I give you permission you you might feel good, but really I think you have to give yourself permission. And that's really what's going to make a difference. And so I used to keep a stack of permission slips on my desk. Now these are the kind that you may recall from high school where you'd write I your until I see that. <laughs> Get out of phys ed or chemistry. Right. Forge your mother's signature. Well, it's the same thing. You know, I, Beth Comstock, give myself permission to, and I'd say, you know, just do this. It's such a simple hack, but just write it down. Like, what are you going to give yourself permission to do? Pitch this idea. Ask your boss. So many times people would say, I want this job, but I know my boss won't go for it. Did you ask her? No, I couldn't possibly ask her. Right. Well, what would happen if you did? Yeah. Or... Startups, you know, I really want to do this, but I know my investors won't go go for it. Or my customers will, customers will never, never want to do this. Well, did you ask them? So I, give yourself permission to try it, to just get a small group of customers and ask them what do they think about this. And it's very liberating. And I find it a simple hack that I use repeatedly for myself. It's a beautiful hack. And I encourage everyone listening, and I'm going to do it as well. Go write yourself some permission slips when you listen to this, after you've listened to this. And, and, and just see how that hack can really help you move forward. I think it's, it's fabulous. I love that idea. I used to ask people in the class that I taught at GE to share, who would, who would be willing to share it with me? Well, very, I'm not sure how many even did it, but the ones who did it, that shared it to me. It was such a great exchange. I love one, they were asking for my help. They were holding themselves accountable. 
And I used to get such great notes from people like, you know, even I thought this was stupid, but I did it. <laughs> I this one I remember distinctly, the woman's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, she was in sales and she said, you know, I can never ask for help from anyone, the legal or engineering. And I decided I'm just going to give myself permission. I invited them all in with this huge RFP that we had from a client we had never been able to get before. And I convened them all together. And you want to know what? We won the RFP. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And it was such a simple little thing, but it led her to do something really bold and money-making for her company. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So you inspired so much inspiration at GE, and you were the one who actually led the Imagination at Work GE initiative that we've all heard. Many of our listeners are entrepreneurs. What are the five steps to imagining it forward, and how can our entrepreneur and executive listeners apply this to their own professional journeys? Well, first of all, I, I, to me, I guess I want to start with what's the definition of an entrepreneur. For me, an entrepreneur is someone who believes in better. They mm-hmm. see that there's a problem and they want to, to offer a better solution. Right. And you were talking about even within, within companies, there's the entrepreneur mindset, right? Exactly. And that was, that was at the heart of why I wrote this book. I, I especially was trying to get people in established companies, but it's anyone. If you work in a library, a university, uh, your own company, you want the ability to move forward with a new idea. You see something better that you have to do. So, so to me, it came down to kind of five key areas. Um, one we've talked about, give yourself permission to, to take a risk, to, to get over that fear. The second, which I am very passionate about, is what I call make room for discovery. That ability to harness your curiosity, to get to the outside, to not just think you know all the answers or your team knows all the answers, but to get out when you um, sort of use the world as your classroom. And when you do, you start to see patterns. Patterns reveal themselves to where the future is unfolding. You get to meet change early. It's not that you are going to stop change, but you get much more comfortable with what's next and what's new. Mm-hmm. The next step to me is what I called agitated inquiry, which is the ability to ask tough questions and to engage and, and in fact, uh, appreciate the role of conflict. And this is often the hardest in change and innovation. Um, you know, is my idea good enough? Right. Who else believes this is a good idea? Um, who, can I invite a critic in um, to beat this idea up and make it their own idea? Do I love this idea so much that I'm willing to give it up and let someone else run forward with it who might be better suited to take it to the next level? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of just question-seeking, beating ideas up, beating each other up a bit in pursuit of better. And I like that because it's, it's, it's opening up to conversations that wouldn't be ha- happening otherwise and, and, and not being attached to the outcome, but really being, okay, we're, we're using this as an opportunity to, to, to work with this idea and make it better to, to stretch it, to, to see things differently. So I think that's a really beautiful part of that. Yeah, it, I, and I, it, it was a hard lesson for me to appreciate. To, I, I got feedback at one point that I was going it alone and my colleagues felt I wasn't asking for help. And asking for help means opening yourself up to criticism as well. And you have to realize that, that actually 
ideas are better because you have everybody contributing. Not You can't have a pure idea. Other people have to make it their own, including your critics. Mm-hmm. Um, the next piece would be story craft, and we talked about this a bit, but the ability to, to tell a story about where the world is going and why, why you're going to make it better. And uh, for me, it's about your strategy. Uh, I, I just came to appreciate if you can't tell your strategy as a story, then maybe you don't have one. Uh, a story is, you know, who are you? Where have you been? But most importantly, where, you're go- where are you going? Why is it relevant to me? And why should I want to join you? Yeah, I think storytelling is one of the most important things that we can develop in ourselves is, is our own story and our ability to be able to tell it and connect with people with our stories. It is, and it's so hard. I mean, you want to freak someone out, but when you meet, next time you meet somebody uh, new, instead of asking them, what do you do, say, what's your story? Mm, that's uh, good. That's right? Good. What's your story? And, and have an answer for them. What is your story? Because it's much more interesting where you came from, what you right. want. And the vulnerabilities behind it are that, you know, it's, it's, it shows that we're not this, this perfect person, right? It's like nobody is a perfect person. And when we can be vulnerable in our story, people can relate with us. Exactly. And then the last piece of the book was what I call, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of leaning into a new operating system. But really, just the shorthand on that is just getting to action. And in here, it's a lot about experimentation, opening yourself up to be okay to fail, all the things we talk about and that entrepreneurs are supposed to like to do, but the reality is none of us like to fail. It's right. only way you get action. And um, we all know, you know, ideas are rarely the problem. It's usually the, the getting to action and making something of the idea where, where the work begins. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So I have a question around what are you most, what are you most proud of in your life? Well, I think I'm, I'm just incredibly proud of, um, I think, being a curious and open person, uh, open t- to difference, to collaboration, to partnership. Um, I think that's led me to have a great marriage, a great family, to work with some great colleagues uh, in the course of my career. I, I think the teamwork that I was part of at GEI wouldn't trade that in for anything, especially the, the marketing and the innovation teams I work, worked with. We had a bit of a pact. We, we said, said to each other, we don't know how long we're going to be working together, hopefully for a while, but we're going to commit that we're going to do our best work together. We're going to fight like crazy. We'll fight each other in the process. And I left there knowing that happened. Um, and look, G's had some tough days, certainly since I was there, while I was there, but since I've been there, you know, the, it's a great company. The stock's not in a good place, but the company's really great. But you can only do so much. But I know the teams that we were part of, we did great work. And then other teams have to come along and they do their thing. And you have to feel really good about the work. And so I can look back and go, I feel great about the work we did. Mm, that's that's awesome. That's totally awesome. And what's next for you, Beth? Well, I'm in a discovery mode right now. So uh, wandering, I'm wandering a bit. I'm using sort of what I talk, I'm trying to use my own uh, recipe here, I'm kind of giving myself permission to get out and wander. I've been sort of dipping my toe into academia a bit. Um, you know, do I, do I want to go back to school? Do I want to teach? 
Um, do I want to, I, I don't, I don't know what, what's next for me, except that right now it's a lot of wandering and discovery and learning. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's always what I'll be doing. Um, but I, uh, I think I will re-enter business in a very different way. I've given myself a goal of sort of, the book was about a year and I've given myself the goal of trying to take another year just to do that kind of deep exploration within myself and sort of wandering beyond to figure out where I want to put my energies next. Oh, that's good. And so when you say wandering, are you actually, are you doing traveling with it or are you are wandering through ideas? It's a, it's a little of both. I'm, I traveled so much when I was at GE that right. being on a plane and going to anywhere uh, is, I've done that. So right. it's much more wandering in ideas, wandering with new people, wandering within myself. I mean, mm-hmm. back to, you know, well, I, I, um, I, found this, um, I found this paper I wrote when I was 14, and it was like my autobiography at 14, and trust me, like, I, it was so boring. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome, though. I think all I wanted to know was if so-and-so was going to, you know, ask me to the movies or something. But um, I found this one part, and it, it said, you know, I, this is me at 14. I, I, I'm 14. I'm ambitious. I want to be 50 different things when I grow up. And then I listed them right now, a few of which sound interesting, but I love that. I'm still that what I was at 14. Yes, I'm ambitious, ambitious for ideas, ambitious to be curious, ambitious to learn. And I do want to be a lot of different things. And now I have a chance to do that. And I will be very upset with myself if I don't at least explore and urge myself to try to try on something different for a while. Mm, There's so much expansiveness before you that, you know, that you probably don't even see yet because you're still discovering it and it's going to be fun to see what unfolds for you. Exactly. And I think there's a part of creativity, you know, the, the sort of void before the, the idea. I mean, any entrepreneur who's listening knows this, you, you know, the, you work, you work, you work, and then there's that eureka moment. I mean, it's the white canvas for an artist. Like, what? What am I going to do? And so in some ways, I'm still at that white canvas space, um, and it's both scary and exciting. Mm, that's good. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So where can people learn more about you and your work? I, they'll find me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, um, and um, I, my book, Imagine It Forward, is available wherever books are sold. Awesome. 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 So the final question that we always close with is what three pearls of wisdom can you leave with our audience today? I think one we talked about, uh, be able to answer this question. What's your story? Mm-hmm. What's your story? Know where you've come from, or you, you know, how, how to articulate where have you come from and most importantly, where are you going and how can people help you? That would be the second thing. I think learn to ask for help. That was yes. one of the things I found in the course of both uh, a family and a career is, you know, I was a perfectionist and I thought I didn't, it was a sign of weakness to ask for help. But you realize actually people are flattered to be asked. They want to help you. Yes. Um, so ask for help. And then the last thing would be just to be open to different, to discovery and difference. Um, find a little bit of weird in your life. And what's weird for you and me are very different, but Make room to discover those things that are different and that maybe make you even uncomfortable. Mm, That's great. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Beth. This has been such an honor to have you join us today and really appreciate your story, appreciate your book, and appreciate the work that you're bringing into the world. 
Thanks, Cammie. So great talking to you. Uh, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. Have a good day. You too. Bye. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you ready to raise up your voice, your visibility, and your business? I invite you to visit me at CammieGellner.com to find out how you can make heartfelt connections to mindful strategies to ignite an abundant flow of cash and clients into your business. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.